0: Listening Room, a podcast dedicated to the art and science of sound, presented by KEF.
1: My name is Jack Sharkey and I'd like to welcome you to the Listening Room. This podcast is brought to you by KEF, where musical perfection is not just a passion, it's an obsession. When we first started this podcast, our goal was to try and bring you information on music, music makers, and a technology that brings music into your lives in a conversational format. Today's guest, Michael Coleman, directed and edited the film. Michael is an accomplished director whose work has been featured in such films as Brett Morgan's The Rolling Stones' Crossfire Hurricane, Cameron Crowe's Pearl Jam 20, Nimrod Antal's Metallica Through the Never, and Aerosmith's multi-platinum film You Gotta Move. The Art of Listening is an invitation for music fans to rediscover the beauty and majesty of music, and it's the beginning of a conversation on how the quality of our listening experience defines the medium. So it's my great pleasure to uh, welcome Michael Coleman to the uh, podcast today. Michael, how are you? Oh, really good.
0: Thanks, Jack, for having me.
1: I appreciate it. And especially you're telling me you're right in the middle of moving and and (laughs) height of the summer and stuff, and it's like the worst time of anybody's life when you're moving, isn't it? The
0: world does not slow down for anyone. (laughs)
1: right yeah. don't you wish you could just say hey look i'm moving call me back in a month and i'll get back to you but you can't do it no
0: i wish if all my clients could understand that i need at least a month to just hang <laughs> out and not do their work that'd be awesome but not the case right yeah.
1: right and then comes the other point of once you move in you're like now i want to just kind of catch my breath again but you can't do that yeah i'm
0: looking i'm looking forward to uh, what this next half of the year has to bring and i mean i'm excited to talk about what's been going on with with this film and what we're doing
1: oh so you're you're basically a rock and roll cinematographer, which to me is like the coolest gig you can get. How how did that come about?
0: Yeah, I mean, my background I was really interested in learning about sound and sound engineering, so I went to a college here in the Bay Area called Expression College for Digital Arts and got my degree in sound engineering, uh, and and really focused on just understanding the basics: sig- signal flow, mixing, recording, editing, and just understanding fundamentals. But then when I started going to college and getting into the program, I just realized there's so many more things to get involved with. And one, one of those was, was film and editing. Um, and so I, I wanted to kind of merge these two worlds together. I wanted to shoot videos and tell stories about the audio community and, and live. And really, I was at the time doing a lot of live concerts. And, um, and a lot of cool artists were coming through the college, Jack Johnson Uh, Michelle Branch, uh, Dave Grohl, and I think we had chances to like kind of get a sense of what it's like to be on, on the stage and to have that perspective of being a performer. Um, I think so much of my experience before then was just kind of, you know, listening to music, going to some concerts, and kind of just a very elementary introduction. And so I think when I started to understand that there's this whole world out there, I wanted to, understand it more and so my way of kind of learning about it was with a camera and so I went on this kind of endless search to capture and tell as many stories that were related to audio related to music and that you know that led me down this road of graduating college in 2003 and my adjunct professor Jack Douglas um who's a legendary veteran this, yeah
1: actually the Jack Douglas? The
0: Jack Douglas, yeah. No kidding. Yeah, yeah. So he was a teacher of mine, and we we got along really well, and I just kind of threw it out to him. I said, hey, I'd love to continue working with you. Like, you know, after I'm done here at school, you know, what do you think? He says, that sounds that sounds good, you know, but the thing is I'm going out to Boston in a few weeks to go work on this Aerosmith album. I was like, well, that that sounds great. I mean, <laughs> obviously I would love to be involved. So, you know, after kind of reaching out to – the band and the management making sure it's okay that they bring along this scrappy kind of greenhorn of a, a graduate that I would, you know, it would be okay. And so sure enough, I, I ended up going out to Boston for just about under a year. And, um, you know, I assisted Jack and Jay Messina, the engineer, and we worked out of, um, the boneyard, which is, uh, Joe Perry's home studio. Joe Perry. Yeah. Yeah. in um, just south of, uh, in, in of Boston. And, um, you know, and, and I was doing exactly what I wanted. I was doing audio, I was shooting video and photos, and I came back after that year in 2004 and came back to the Bay Area, and I was just I, I was smitten. I just I, I couldn't get enough of it, and so that kind of led me on this journey to start working with more people and more companies. And here in the Bay Area, that's all there is. You have Dolby, you have THX, Avid, uh, Meyer Sound, um, and, and there's so many fantastic studios, and I, I just started entrenched, getting entrenched in this culture. And so that that's kind of a good way to summarize the past, gosh, that's, 15 years now.
1: That's amazing. And, I mean, serendipity being what it is. I mean, if we were to have this conversation 16 years ago, yeah. I, I bet you probably wouldn't be that confident that you'd be first gig out of school working with Aerosmith.
0: No, it's, it's one of those things, like, you never really know where life's going to take you, but I, I always kind of have always led with working and surrounding myself with people that are like-minded and just as passionate and crazy about, about these things as I am. And, you know, when you get yourself surrounded by people like that, you know how it is. You, You, they become friends and yeah. And, and for me, that was kind of my first taste dipped my toe in of understanding, you know, what it could be like to have a life doing this type of work. And ever since I've been independent and freelance, so it's just, the relationships continue, and you know i've my network has broadened into l a and I do a lot of work in l a and I'm, I feel very fortunate to you know continue these these relationships that started from day one so right yeah.
1: that's awesome so now the art of listening mm-hmm. is is to me it, it's finally something somebody has needed to say in a beautiful way in a film. And it's it just really kinda gets right to the to the meat and potatoes of the whole issue of, of music in the sort of middle of the beginning part of the 21st century wherever you know in the in the teens, as it were yeah. how did how did the inspiration for 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 this movie come about we 'll talk a little bit about what the movie yeah. is, but i 'm kind of want to start with the inspiration of where you what brought you to it yeah,
0: um, it was a conversation that happened uh, between myself and uh, co director emmanuel Moran, and we were we were working on a bunch of other projects three i I think it was three years ago now it was September of I'm trying to remember. I think it was September of 2014. If that's right. Even, but we were talking. We were just reading. We were just hearing about Neil Young's uh, pono player, right? And I didn't know anything about high res audio. I didn't really understand, you know, what was you know so different about this approach and this type of listening opportunity that like, high res audio provides. And so it was a conversation that we had, and, and and then that kind of led us down a rabbit hole of trying to understand. Well, if the quality of music is better is the listener going to have a better relationship with that music, and is it going to vastly change our perception of you know how we how we think about music? I think we were both feeling that music as an art form has become a commodity, and we were trying to we are really trying to understand not only how can we change this perception but how can we educate people about this this thing that i mean high rise audio has been around for a long, long time. This is not a new concept. It's just now that technology is allowing us to experience it in so many different ways. So we just kind of, we spent maybe a little, maybe close to a year um, going around the country, went to LA, went to New York, uh, here in the Bay Area. And when we could, we shot interviews with a handful of our artists that eventually ended up in the film. But it was a conversation that we thought, you know, um, we could try to, we try to curate this conversation around well if the if the music is better, then you know you're going to have a better relationship, and what we just found is that convenience is is so much of the factor when it comes to how people listen that people would much rather you know do streaming or you know other types of lower formats that are easily you know accessible. so that was the first kind of approach and and you know once we realized that wasn't a very inspiring message which was our goal, which was, you know, at the core of what The Art of um, Listening became, um, you know, we kind of shifted, and and, and that was kind of the second chapter of the film, and and, and that was something that, you know, we recognized as, you know, a lot more people were resonating with that message that, you know, if you can inspire people with the process and all the people that are involved with making music as early as the instrument maker, that you'll start to understand that it's not just as simple as... um, and I think accepting the format or, or looking at kind of what we're kind of spoon-fed when it comes to uh, stream when a lot of the streaming formats or a lot of the ways that when, you know, if you buy music on iTunes or through Amazon or whatnot, you're getting a, a version that's kind of diluted. It's not the full intention of the artist. And so we really want to try to capture that intention and, and show people that there's so much more available. And, and if, if you really care about the music and you want to invest in this art form, you can find it and and here are some of the ways
1: so so what's changed like you know when i was a kid yeah. it was cassette tapes and or you know forty five rpm singles yeah. and stuff and they sounded horrible but you know you had to you still had to be involved in listening to them mm-hmm. and and so on and so forth and then you know at the beginning of the 21st century when uh, digital music became sort of barely available to everybody Um, it, it, it really, do you think it's just a matter of the fact that it became convenient and then people had these things on, on their computers, so they didn't have the same relationship with the music that they had prior to that?
0: Yeah, I mean, there's so many factors that go into it. It's, 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 these are all very obvious, and the fact is, is that, you know, you can carry around more music than we've ever had possible in your pocket, on your phone. Most people listen to music now through their phone, on their laptops, um, there's not like a designated place necessarily. You might have, you know, maybe your TV is connected some way. So before the re- the relationship was, you'd have, you know, you would have a record player, you would have a CD player in the home and all the CDs were out, you know, out and, and you know, or in books or the relationship was this kind of physical, tactile experience. And nowadays we're looking at files, we're looking at numbers, we're looking at, uh, very i think more of a kind of a flat experience um which is fine which is where technology has gotten us it's it's just that there's something that's lost that you know i feel when you can't touch it when you can't see it in a real physical way you don't you don't think of it as as much it's, it's just like a, it's a different relationship so right yeah you
1: know. so assuming that Digital, uh, especially high res files, and all is not going to go away because yeah. it's not going to go away. No. It's going to become more pervasive. And, and listen, that's a really good thing. I found more music through my Spotify right. and you know my Pandora channels than I would ever find at a record store. So I'm all for it. Absolutely. But. How do we reconcile that part of, of what's what's been lost to to people who are never going to experience music the way that we were lucky enough to experience back in the caveman days?
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a big element of also the fact that the, the model now for artists to make money, to make a living, doing what they love, is vastly different. You know, people are not making money off the records, they're making money off the touring and the merchandising and other licensing opportunities, which is... You know, this is where we are today, and you know, we're not going to be able to go back to the heyday of a record company giving you tons of money as an advance to go spend months and months in the studio. And right. you know, that that unfortunately is no longer the reality. So, the the, land, yeah, the landscape is different. Obviously, we, we all know that.
1: As a listener, though, yeah. or, or or let's let's kind of back up a little bit and talk about as an industry, yeah. right? Because we're all sort of in this together, and and you know it's all important to us to make sure that the listener really, mm-hmm. you know, understands how important music is in their own lives. How, who who. Where's the, where's the chicken or the egg on this, right? Is it the industry that turns around and, and starts to change that experience, or is it the listener who finally goes, look, I need more out of this experience? But if they don't know what they're missing, they're never going to ask for it. So yeah, it's
0: it's a, it's a problem because the listener is not really too it, those when you it, you know as an engineer you can understand you look at formats you look at bit rates you understand what you're listening to is not the intent of what was you know, released by the artist. I sometimes when I go and I want to, if I, if I really want the highest quality that's provided, I have to go search down the physical format and, and make sure that I'm listening to just that nowadays. It's there's, there are other obviously services out there. You do have high res opportunities, whether it's like Tidal or the Pondo service or even HD track. There are, and, and there's many more high res music. Um, it's, it's, the problem is that people are not educated in terms of, you know, what you can have a fine dinner or you can have fast food. And I think we, we always have equated it to the analogy of, of food because in our mind, the experience is only as, you know, you, you don't know what you're missing. I think a lot of people haven't heard a lot of this, you know, that, just the full frequency music that right. is available.
1: I just did a I just did a, a show a couple of weeks ago with uh, Ben Matthews who's yeah. from the band Thunder in, mm-hmm. in the UK and it's almost like you guys had a conversation before you talked to so, me because you both said the exact same thing and yeah. and that to me is actually very striking because it yeah. it really kind of speaks to the whole you know to the whole issue at hand but let me let me pose this question to you. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we square up now? The the and I'm using my quote fingers yeah. the vinyl revolution. You know, is it just a fad because people think they're cool for doing it, or are people sort of rediscovering something?
0: I mean, I, I can only look to myself to really answer that. Which is, before I even started this film, this project, I was I never had an experience listening to vinyl. Um, as I started getting more involved, I, I got really excited about actually listening and shopping for. For vinyl. I buy old vinyl. I, I buy stuff that's a dollar. I don't spend, I don't spend, I mean, I, I kid you not, half of my, I maybe have a hundred plus records, but I go to the dollar bin. I will get, I will get some, you know, the, like the stuff that people probably have just been tiresome about the Martin Denny, the soloist, right. the, the Tijuana <laughs> brass. Like I'm, I, I'm, I'm going back to like Toto. It's like, there's nothing. Right. There's nothing glamorous about it. But for me, the experience of going out, it's kind of like, um, you know, you don't know what you're going to, you go into the bin, you just don't know what you're going to find, what people said I don't want anymore. And and for me, like, I really enjoyed kind of this novelty of like, I've never, I wasn't around in the 60s. I wasn't around necessarily in the 70s. I, I, right. I want to hear this stuff. So for me, it's a way to time travel back to a, a time and place when, you know, music was, uh, you know, just and a, different, a priority. Yeah, a priority. So yes. Yes. I really enjoy that. Um, I, I don't think it's, but like to answer your question, I guess, I don't think it's a fad. I just think it's one other way for people to interact with music. And, and they're finding that music is a lot of fun to listen to when you can look at it and touch it and turn it over. And it's listening to vinyl, to me, is just a little more, it's like if I want to hear side B, I got to move my ass off the couch and, and go get it. Get it. Nice. So it's a commitment. Yeah. but what
1: happens is, and is you're you're a part of it, you know, and and it, what what happens with physical product or, or with that sort of it doesn't have to be physical product, but with that sort of a listening experience, is you're taking this very ethereal, magical thing that only exists in the air. And you're actually becoming a, a physical part of it, much like a musician does. Yeah. You know, when he has to, when he has to pick up his instrument and he has to strike a chord and he has to play. Well, now you're sort of experiencing that same, that same thing by having to get up and, and turn it over or, mm. you know, whatever it is. It's funny that you would mention Tijuana Brass. My wife just mm. raided her parents' record collection from the, like the early '60s, and the original Herb Albert and the Tijuana Brass yeah, record yeah. was in there. And I've been listening to that like practically nonstop, and it just sounds so good on the old. And it's got some scratches yeah. in it, and some dirt, yeah. It. But it's all part of life,
0: you know. Yeah, so. I mean, I, I just find that, you know, like you said, like discovering music is really exciting. And I just find that's one other way, one other place that I've been able to experience a lot of different music. And that's that's how I treat vinyl. It's you know, besides the fact that like now I'm, I just like. When I, I'm moving to this house, actually, I bought like a, a piece of furniture that's dedicated to the vinyl, to the record player, and it's like it's a place in my home. So that's just like it's yeah. a cool relationship that I think obviously a lot of people grew up with. Uh, I grew up in the early '80s, so you know I was kind of on the tail end of that and more into the digital CD kind of world. Right. But it's fun. It's just one other way. I mean, it's kind of like a lot of people wake up and have coffee. I wake up and put on a record. So, <laughs> so
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, how's the film been being received? It's been great. It's you know we did um,
0: we raced to the finish line in in March of this year to do a, a private screening at South by Southwest, Southwest um, which was a lot of fun. It was the first chance to to have an audience see it and react, and that was that was great. Um, we've done a few private screenings here in the Bay Area just for some fa- family and friends and other folks that we wanted to show to. And um, right now we're waiting um, basically because the film came out. Oh, we got finished with the film early in the year. Uh, we submitted to a handful of festivals that we hope to bring it to, um, and we're just excited to do the, uh, hopefully a festival run and then get it online or on a uh, VOD format so that the rest of the world can experience it. Uh, probably most likely towards the end of this year.
1: You know, my awareness for the film, I actually found found you guys or found the film just kind of floating around online and looking for, and it just absolutely captured me. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's one of those films that that people who love music are really going to enjoy, but people who have sort of only a casual relationship with music are, are going to maybe get opened up to an entirely different world of, of what really goes on on the other side of the earbuds that you're listening to in the subway. You know? Yeah,
0: I mean, something that we wanted to do is, I, we, you know, myself and Emmanuel we both are huge documentary fanatics and music documentary fanatics. And so when we had gone out and looked at kind of the, the landscape of what's kind of been said and done, we were really excited about exposing people to different levels of artists. Um, you know, from the top dogs like Hans Zimmer and Steve Vai and Kamazi Washington and, um, Andrew Sheps who's an engineer, uh, and Jack Douglas. We wanted to contrast those conversations with artists that, you know we, you might not have heard of them, but these guys have Grammys. These artists are actively participating in this kind of you know uh, the, new, the new landscape of music, and they're right. making a living, and' they're, they're fighting you know to have their music heard and, and that to us was really interesting to put the, the next generation of artists and musicians next to the the folks who you know are kind of the, the name you know the namesakes so <sighs>
1: Yeah, you know, and I think that's actually such an important message. You know, particularly if you're listening, you know, any of the young musicians who are out in the audience who are just kind of starting out or, or listening, you know, we're we're all connected, and the generations that went before us and have done things that that are going to carry on through the generations that we haven't even conceived of yet, and it's it's just this long web of of musical experience, mm-hmm. and and I guess the biggest fear right now is that the the audience is going to kind of stray away from this continuum of the art and films like yours are really you know helpful in sort of reminding everybody just you know how important this this ambrosia for the ears really is. Yeah it's a
0: conversation in our mind we're, we're trying to really get people to talk about it and think about it um, that's the first step is to be aware of all the options that we have as listeners and the relationships we can have with our music and with our artists and how we can support Uh, this art form. And that, that's really, that's step one, is just being aware of it and talking about it. And obviously, you know, getting more involved in the sense of thinking about um, investing in different ways. It doesn't have to be an audiophile, hi-fi system. It just has to be, you know, thinking about music as something that maybe you sit down and do and it's, you know, it's just as um, a part of your day as, you know, watching something on Netflix or,
1: Right, you know, it's right. just
0: one other opportunity to, to get, um, to interact with this with this art form.
1: So, um, to the audience, for more information on, on the art of listening, uh, it's, it's real easy. And, and I really recommend that you go out there and, 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 watch the trailer as, as the film gets ready to go into wide release. And the website is uh, www.theartoflisteningfilm.com triple W the art of listening film.com. So that's www.theartoflisteningfilm.com and, do you have any other new projects or anything in the offing right now, or is pretty much all your energy on this film?
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, like I said, we finished up in March, and I think both Emmanuel and I, it's like once you come out off of this journey of working on a feature film that's kind of taken up the past year and a half, two years of your life, we took a break, I mean, just in the sense of, you know, it was just like, it was so nice to have the film done, it's like, it's, you know, there's, you always want to keep working on it, you always have ideas, and, at a certain point you have to put a stake in the ground and be like, all right, this is done. This is, this is great. We're, we're we're happy with it. And we're both, you know, just so happy to be able to share it with people. So we're, I'm just excited to get it out there, to have it um, be experienced by people and have people talk about it and draw up conversations. So that, that's kind of where our focus is right now, which is how can we collaborate with kind of some of the, um, the groups and the places where people talk about music. I, I think uh, we're working on that stuff right now and just trying to figure out other ways to make this accessible to as many people as possible.
1: That's awesome. And and I'm thrilled to be a part of being able to help you get the word oh, out on, on on that so much. Yeah. And so um Our our guest today has been Michael Coleman. He's a director, editor, and cinematographer of a really cool film that I think anybody that has any kind of relationship with music needs to kind of check out, and that's called The Art of Listening. And you can go out to, uh, like I said before, theartoflisteningfilm.com. And, uh, Michael, I really appreciate you stopping by and chatting with us today, and and we'll keep in touch with you and see how the film kind of develops going forward. But thanks so much for coming by today. Oh, thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. Please keep an eye out for the next Listening Room, but in the meantime, you can check out Kef at kef.com and kefdirect.com, plus you can keep up with my blog at kefdirect.com. You can also stay up to date with all things Kef by following us on Twitter at kef underscore America and on Facebook at facebook.com slash kefamerica. You can also drop us a line at the Listening Room at kefamerica.com. My name is Jack Sharkey, and this is The Listening Room, and we'll see you next time.